Well, we're in a series simply titled One, and this is week two of our series called One, and I want us for the next few weeks to continue talking about this topic of unity as a church. Uh, you may have noticed that we have gone from two worship experiences to one worship experience, and it's just a way for us tangibly to see that we are one church, and though we've worshiped in different times previously, we wanted to get all back in the room together. And um, for those of you who were not here last week because of spring break or travel plans, we missed you. We're glad to have you back. Others are out today. For those of you who suffered through uh, probably the most rainy, dreary spring break of your lives with your kids, if you have kids, we're sorry. We hope today is an encouragement to you. Last week in this series one, we were in the scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where a man named Paul in the New Testament wrote a letter to a church in Corinth, and he gave them an analogy of what the church looks like, and he compared the church to the body of Christ. And so he said that in the church, we are all one body, but we're made up of many parts. And so last week, we asked a simple question, what is your part in our local church? What is your part in our local church? And we said that we wanted to help you find that part if you don't feel like you know what your part is. But it's important for us to know our part because, as we talked about last week, every part of the body matters, is significant. It plays a role and has a function. And unless we're all functioning in our roles, in our part, then the whole church suffers on some levels. And so uh, we made an effort to let you know how important it is for you to understand your role specifically in Synergy Church and to act and to serve and to fulfill that role so that as a church body, we're healthy. And that's our goal as a church, to be healthy and to be unified. And most of all, we said that the thing that unites us, the thing that unites us as a church is our mission, and that's to make Christ known in the lives of people far from God. And we said that if, our, if we can reach people far from God and teach them and train them to participate in a mission to reach other people far from God, then as a church, we feel like we're doing what God's called us to do in his last words called the Great Commission when he told us to go into all the world and make disciples. And so that's what we're unified around. And today I want to kind of build on that platform and take it a step further so that we can kind of understand a little more I'm going to read from three different passages today. I'm going to start in Ephesians chapter number four. This is a letter that Paul, again, who was a great leader in the New Testament, wrote a letter to a church in a city called Ephesus. It's come to be known as Ephesians. And in the fourth chapter, he continues kind of in this theme of talking about unity in the church. And I want us to kind of travel down uh, with Paul, starting in verse number two. Paul says, Be completely humble and gentle. Be complete, not just a little humble, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. You ever wondered why he would use the terminology, be patient, bear with one another in love? Well, I think it's safe to say that if you belong to a family or if you belong to a group of people who do life together, you know that there are moments in your journey together uh, that there's a little bit of friction, that there's a little bit of animosity, that there can be some heated conversations and relationships. And the truth is because none of us are perfect, that if we try to live life together, there's always going to be somebody that will let us down. There'll always be someone that'll offend us. There'll always be someone uh, who will rub us the wrong way. And our goal isn't simply to find the people around us who make us feel the best, 
but it's to bear with one another in love, to be patient with one another. He's, he's almost given us this idea that as we belong together in the church, that there's some work to be done to make sure this thing is a well-oiled machine. It doesn't just happen by itself. It's something that we have to put effort into. So we're going to be patient. We're going to bear with one another in love. I love verse number three, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And that's us as a church, something that I believe we're called to do. Is that as we're journeying through life together and, and things happen and life happens and we find ourselves in situations where peace might not be the predicted outcome or peace might not be the, uh, the first response to a situation that we make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. That our unity as a church is far more important than our personal feelings and endeavors when it comes to relating with one another. And so we have to be intentional about being patient and bearing with one another in love and making every effort to keep unity through the bond of peace. This means that we don't throw flames on fires. We help try to put fires out. That we don't try to add to any type of drama that may happen in life. That we try to cease drama, that we try to put an end to drama, that we try to work together with everything within us to make sure that we are unified as a church. And then we're going to see some of the same language that we talked about last week in verse number four. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. That we, like it or not, as a church, if you call Synergy Church home, have a connection together. That we are joined as part of a local body. And now we can talk about the global church and how the church is a body of Christ universally. But these are letters written to individual churches. And so I think it's safe for us to take away from these passages that as a local individual church that we should be unified, that we should have a common interest, a common desire, a common mission, a common unity that helps us stay focused on what God's called us to do. And that takes work. I've got pastor friends that I have conversations with and from time to time I'll hear this phrase, you know, being a pastor or working in the church would be the best job in the world if it weren't for the people. And we kind of laugh about that, but the truth is, in your family that you live in, you would have the best family in the world if it weren't for your family, right? You would have the best friends in the world if it weren't for your friends. And if we really look in the mirror, we could say that we contribute to sometimes the friction that we experience in all of our relationships. And so it's important for us to understand the role that we play in keeping unity in our church is to make every effort through the bond of peace to keep the unity of the Spirit. Let's skip down to verse number 11. I want us to understand some of the structure that God has given and instructed for the church so that we can understand uh, the platform on which this unity stands. Verse number 11, Ephesians 4. Paul says, It was he, speaking of Jesus, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers, God's given different people in the church different gifts. He's given different people in the church different roles. 
He's called certain people to serve in roles that are more pastoral in nature, that seem to be more ministry-oriented in the eyes of the world. There are pastors who serve as their job, and then there are pastors who are lay pastors, but there are positions that are recognized in the church that honestly some see as elevated positions over other positions, but the truth is God has gifted us all differently, and we all serve in various roles, but The thing I want us to understand this morning is the reason God has given these different roles in the church. It's not so that people can get recognition. It's not so that people can stand in front of others and lead and have an ego. It's for one simple purpose, verse number 12, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. So our goal as a church is for our body to be built up, to be strengthened, to be encouraged, to be more unified. And that happens by God gifting certain people to serve in different roles in the church so that we can prepare one another to be built up. Now, let's just be honest. We're we're in America, and a lot of our world centers around our own personal desires, our own personal opinions, um, our own personal interests. And so we choose things in life based on what we get from those things, right? You choose sports teams that you want to cheer for because you feel like you'll get something in return. You choose jobs because of the benefits, per se, or the pay or the people. There's a reason that we choose the people that we date and that we marry. There are friends that we choose, and there are things that we get from those friendships. And when it comes to church, a lot of times we choose churches based on things that honestly aren't as important as scripture as they are to us. And so we choose based on styles or dress codes or types of music, and that's okay. It's great to get people in the door. But the heart of Jesus for the church is that we would be built up, that we would be prepared for works of service, that together we would do something for the kingdom of God. I think one of the things that causes most division in the church. One of the things that causes friction and causes people to drift apart and causes people to leave churches and go to different churches and cause people to be hurt by the church. I don't know about you, but a lot of us have been hurt by churches and we've been rubbed the wrong way by churches. And the truth is, is that all churches are made up of people who are not perfect. And so it doesn't really matter what church we go to. That's going to be an outcome on some level. But we have this mentality that the church plays a role in our lives that we receive something from. And is there truth to that on some level? Yes. But here's the danger. Here's the danger. When we allow what we receive from the church to take precedent over what we give to the church, we will always find ourselves in positions where there's potential for division. There's potential for division. When you are expecting to receive something from the church and you don't receive something from the church, then you are at odds with the church. You think that the church didn't serve you well. And because of that, you have a tendency to kind of pull back and you get angry at people and you look at the face behind the position and you tend to think, you know, this isn't the way things should be. And so I'm mad at somebody, I'm hurt by somebody. And rather than trying to work things out, try to bear with one another in love, to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace, we tend to pack up our bags and we go home. Because that's how we do with 
jobs. That's how we do with relationships. That's how we do with friendships. When things don't work out, we just pack up and leave. And Jesus wants us to understand that it's important for the church to be united and that it's going to take some effort and some work. I've had conversations with people before, and this is just one example of many that I don't want to go in deep detail with, but people who may have gone through a difficult time in life who were hurt that people in the church didn't support them during the difficult time in life. Now, if you're going through a difficult time in life, the thing that I want most for you is for you to have a church family that loves you and supports you, that goes through that with you. But I've often had conversations with people who went through difficult seasons in life and who got hurt by the church, who were offended by the church because people didn't support them the way they thought they should be supported. And when I ask a few questions, like, you know, did you let anyone know that you were going through this? Sometimes the answer is, well, no, I didn't really tell anybody, but, you know, the church should be there for me. You know, well, are you connected in relationships? Do people, you know, do they, under, do they know what you're going through? And sometimes they'll say, no, they don't really, but the church should have done that for me. They should have been there for me. And what I want as your pastor is I want to always be there for you. The difficult thing is that I can't always be there for you. And as our church gets larger and larger, the potential for me to be there for everyone every time that they're going through a difficult situation gets more difficult and gets less and less. And so people have this view of people who serve in various roles in the church, such as pastors or teachers or apostles or prophets. We don't really call people that in the church, but there are people who function in those roles. And we say that those people should serve the church in such a way that the church is taken care of. And so when people go through difficult situations, they look to a few people to be responsible for taking care of the church. That's not Jesus' plan. It's not his design for the church. Jesus never said there are some of you who are apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers and evangelists to take care of the people in the church. What's he saying? To prepare God's people for works of service. So the people in leadership positions, their job is to prepare and equip people in the church to serve one another, to care for one another. And so it's important for us to have this foundational understanding of God's design for the church that isn't a few people at the head of the church that are supposed to do everything in the church for everybody in the church, but rather it's a few people at the head who are supposed to prepare everyone in the church to do everything together because we're united by a mission. And by a goal. And I don't want you to get hurt. I don't want to get hurt. I've been in positions where I thought somebody in the church should have done something for me. I do. I, I look back on certain positions in my life and I say, I can't believe they didn't come to the hospital when my second son was born. You know, I thought that, I thought that we were closer than that. I thought that we were tighter than that. I thought that I meant more to them than that. And it kind of changed some things in relationships, and I kind of had to get past some things and work out some things and bear with one another in love, and I had to get through some things. And that's the story of our church, if we're going to be united, is that we have to not allow things to divide us that should not divide us. And we have to be intentional about understanding God's plan for the church, and that's that we all are to serve one another in the church and to care for one another. We have a place that we belong because we're all part of the same body. And that body is prepared and equipped by pastors and teachers and evangelists and apostles and prophets and people who serve in various roles. 
I hear people from time to time say, you know, certain things about me and say, well, you're in full-time ministry. You know, God's called you to full-time ministry. Can I share this little secret with you? If you claim to be a follower of Jesus, God has called you to full-time ministry. And it might not be your occupation. You might not be employed by a church. But we are all called to be the body of Christ. We're the hands and feet of Jesus. We are called to be Jesus, a light in a dark world. And that's our full-time calling. Now, you might do that as a lawyer. You might do that as a dentist. You might do that as a teacher. I don't know what you do in life, but whatever you do, that's your full-time ministry. And so we're all in this thing together, and we prepare and equip one another for that until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of God. That as we bear with one another in love, as we work through life, as we make every effort to keep unity of spirit through the bond of peace, that we will mature, that we will grow, and we will more and more look like God wants this body of Christ to look. Verse 14, this is why it's important. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head that is Christ. There's a lot we could talk about in these two verses. Namely, I'm not the head of this church. I'll confess that to you. Jesus is the head of this church. I may have been called to help plant this church. I may have been called to lead this church in the role of a pastor, but I'm not the head of this church, okay? So if anybody thinks, I want to be the head of a church, position's taken. You can start as many churches as you want. There's only one head to the church. That's Jesus Christ. He's got it locked down. And you can apply for the position, but you're not going to get it, okay? I'm not the head of this church. I'm lucky to help support the head of this church, which is Jesus, And I get to serve alongside you guys as the body of Christ. It's important for us to understand. It's important for us to be united so that we're not deceived by the cunning and craftiness of men. Do you know that from time to time the enemy might send people into our church to try to cause division? That that people might come into our church with motives not to be unified but to divide. They might come in with agendas that are not godly. I know it's hard to... Imagine this, but there are people in the world who come to churches and try to divide the church. They're wolves in sheep's clothing, as the Bible describes them. And if we're not unified, then we'll allow wolves in sheep's clothing, or we'll allow the cunning and craftiness of men to divide us. But if we mature and grow up, and we make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace, then we'll mature and we'll grow, and we won't allow division to come from people who creep into our church with wrong motives. We'll grow up into him who is the head that is Christ. Verse 16, from him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. As each part does its work and functions in the role that it's called to in our church, we will build one another up. We'll become more healthy. We'll become more mature in Christ. And our body will support the head, which is Jesus, in a way that pleases him. This is a goal of us, of ours as a church, that we want to be a unified church around a mission that's to reach people with the gospel of Jesus. And we want to fight to keep divisions outside the walls of our church, of our body, that we will each do what God's called us to do and function in that part that we play in the body so that the whole body 
will be built up and become mature. Now, that can feel almost theoretical. So let's go to another scripture in Philippians chapter 2 where we get a little more insight into how this should look and how we can approach making sure that we're causing unity or promoting unity within our church. Again, this is Paul. He's writing a letter this time to a church in Philippi. It's the letter known as Philippians. And in chapter number 2, starting in verse 1, Paul says this, If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. If anything about the church adds value to your life, if you find any tenderness or compassion, or if anything encourages you in the church, it's important for you to have the same mindset, that your mind is set on the same things, that you have the same motives, that you have the same attitude, that, that we are united in mind and not just in action that we think the same things, that we know we're heading in the right direction, that we're, our purpose is united and collective, and we're on the same page, so to speak. And then Paul's going to kind of get a little personal. He's going to kind of rub us the wrong way here, and he's going to kind of give us a standard that helps us to understand our approach to our role in the church and what we do in the church that's going to help promote unity. Verse number 3. These aren't easy words, by the way. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Now, this is great advice for a marriage. This is great advice for a friendship. This is great advice for coworkers or teammates that when you consider others above yourself and hopefully others are considering you above themselves, then there's going to be more unity than if each person is looking out for their own selfish ambitions. But specifically when it comes to the church, we have to make sure that we don't allow selfish ambition or vain conceit to drive our experience with the church. That our mindset isn't simply, what do I get when I come to church? But it becomes, how can I serve one another in my church, in the body that I belong to? How can I help support and build up and encourage? How can I help bring unity? How can I consider others above myself? I'll be the first to tell you, this is difficult. I'm like, Paul, man, come on. You could have said a lot of things, but you're telling me to consider others above myself. And there are times where I feel like I need things, and there's times where I feel like I deserve things, and there's times where people should do certain things, and I shouldn't have to do certain things. But if I'm going to consider others above myself, it's difficult. And the standard only gets more difficult from there because listen to what he goes on to say. Each of you should look not only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. Here it is, verse 5. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. There's your standard. Your attitude in this church should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Now, you know this. But Jesus loved the church. He gave his life for the church. He humbled himself completely for the church and paid the ultimate price so that the church could receive something as he lost something, his life. 
And our attitude should be the same as Christ Jesus when it comes to the church and specifically what part we play in the church and the role that we play in the church. And as if that statement isn't enough, he goes on to describe the attitude of Christ Jesus. You ready for this? Verse 6. Who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place, He humbled himself, God exalted him. He didn't exalt himself, he humbled himself, God exalted him. And if our church is going to see God do great things in us, it's important for us to humble ourselves, consider the interests of others before ourselves, to look out for the interests of others, not simply our own interests. That we would have an attitude like that of Christ Jesus. It's difficult. And if we're not careful, we'll see our part in the church as compared to other people in the church. Let me explain what I mean by that. Some of you may have had a thought before, like I have been fill in the blank for so long. I've been doing this. I've been committed. I've been fill in the blank in this church. Man, if other people would just step up and help, my life would be so much easier. I've been giving to this church for so long. If other people would fill in the blank, then my life would be so much easier. I feel like I do so much, and there are some people who don't do so much, And what we see is from time to time, if we're not careful, we'll look at what God's called us to do in light of what other people do, and we begin to play this comparison game. And it never causes unity, by the way. It only causes us to view people through a lens that's not healthy. It's not healthy. Let me kind of elaborate a little more by going to Romans chapter 12 with you. Romans chapter number 12, I'll start reading in verse number 3. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. You see that? According to the measure of faith God has given you. We're a body. We're made up of many parts, but you have a faith that's between you and God. Okay? And you're going to stand before God one day and you're going to be judged according to your faith and according to your works. If you're a Christian, if you're not a Christian, you're going to be judged according to your relationship with God. And that could be a bad thing if you don't have a relationship with God. But you're going to be judged according to the grace and the measure of the faith that God has given you. And you're not going to stand before Jesus one day and say, but I did this and so-and-so didn't. And so I deserve whatever when it comes to heaven, because Jesus is going to say, well, this is what I called you to do, and this is what I asked you to do. Why were you so focused and concerned with other people and what they were doing? Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are in many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We belong to one another. We compose the body of Christ here at Synergy Church. We play various roles in different parts. 
We have different gifts according to the grace given us. God has called you to serve in certain roles in this church, and it doesn't look exactly the same for everybody. And you might not like that, but you can take that up between you and God. He has called you to do what he's called you to do, to play a certain part in this church. And the question is, are you playing your part? See, when we begin to look around and say, well, someone else can do that, or I've done that long enough, or, you know, there are people there that, you know, need to whatever. And we begin to look around and we stop focusing on our own measure of faith that God's given us. That's where it becomes dangerous for us in the part that we play in the church. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophecy, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it's encouraging, let him encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it's showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. But each part has been gifted by God with a measure of faith, with a grace that has allowed them to function in a certain role, and it doesn't all look the same. We don't have this cookie-cutter approach that says, if everyone in the church will do all these things exactly the same, then our church will be healthy, because that wouldn't be healthy. Because God's called certain people to do certain things that are different from other people. And certain people are just going to be more generous in the church than others. And certain people are going to serve more in the church than others. And certain people are going to lead more in the church than others. And certain people are going to be more encouraging than others. And certain people are going to show more mercy than others. And some people are going to have a tendency to be judgmental when other people are going to be like, no, 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 let's not be so judgmental. And we all collectively, as we do our various roles and things God's called us to, that's what makes the body so complete and mature. I I like to think of it, like my five-year-old son who comes to me from time to time and says, but Cohen doesn't, but you don't make Cohen, but Cohen doesn't have to. Why do I have to? As if he should be treated exactly the same as whoever. So-and-so in my classroom, their parents let them. And I say, son, Stop worrying about other people when you worry about you. Okay? You do what you're supposed to do. What did dad tell you to do? Okay, go do it. End of story. Stop worrying about them. Okay? If you want to pray for your brother, pray for him that he'll do what daddy tells him to do. But stop. You're not the enforcer of daddy's rule over his son. And that's the role of the church. That's how we have to see the church. That's how we're unified as a church is we don't look at people in the church and dictate, based on our expectations, what they should do. Could we theorize and say, man, if everybody in the church served a certain amount, would our church be in a better place? On pencil and paper, I would say, yeah, absolutely. If everybody in our church gave more, if they, if they all gave 10% of their income and tithe, like the Bible teaches, would our church be in a better place? On pencil and paper, I would say, yeah, absolutely. But you know what my role is? I'm supposed to serve the way Jesus called me to serve in this church. I'm supposed to give the way Jesus has called me to give in this church. And I'm supposed to help the way God's called me to help in this church. I'm supposed to lead the way God's called me to lead in this church. And my job is not to focus so much on what some people are or are not doing as much as say, I got to make sure that I'm doing what Jesus has called me to do. And if I'll worry about me, 
and I can trust that you'll worry about you, then I believe that God just has things figured out enough that he'll build the body because he's the head. And he has gifted us all differently, and it doesn't all look the same. So my role as a pastor, as a shepherd, isn't to simply do things for you. It's not simply to serve you and meet your needs and provide things that you need in life as if this is a, a club that you pay a membership for that gives you a service in return, but rather it's, it's to lead you and to equip you and to prepare you for works of service so that together, if I can help you figure out what your part in the church is and I can convince you that if you'll do your part, it'll make a difference, then I think that we can make progress, that we can go places, that we can accomplish things, that we can reach people, that we can see God do something really special in and through our church. And so last week we asked the simple question, what's your part? If you were here last week or if you heard the podcast, I hope you've been praying about it. If you don't know what your part is, pray that you'll come to somebody, come to me, find somebody with a red t-shirt on a guest services team and just say, hey, I, I don't really know what to do around here. Can you help me? We'll help. We'll help you find a part to play. And secondly, I'll ask you, how's your heart? What's your part and how's your heart? How's your attitude? How do you see yourself in this body? Are you considering others above yourself? Are you surrendering your vain ambitions and your conceited desires to the health of the church, to the maturity of the church? Are you giving yourself completely to the church? Do you have the attitude of Jesus when it comes to the church? And for a lot of us, it would be, I'm working on it. I'm trying. I'm a work in progress. Bear with me. My hand's raised to that. But if we will all do our part, and if we will all have the right heart, then there will be unity in our church that will allow God to build us up into who he wants us to be, that we will experience his very best for us in this church. So I want to ask you to prayerfully consider what your part is in this church and do your part. Would you do your part? Would you, would you give yourself to doing what God's called you to do in this church? I can't tell you what that is exactly. But find a place to serve or find people to connect with in a group or start giving or give more. Or whatever God's calling you to do, would you just have a sensitive heart to say, God, what's my role? And, and if you're like me and you ever have a tendency to start looking around and comparing things and saying what ifs, then can we just surrender our heart to doing what God's called us to do and make sure that we aren't in any way hypocrites when it comes to doing exactly what God's called us to do in the church. And if we'll do our part and we'll have the right heart and there's no telling what God could do in us and through us. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for who you are. Thank you that you're the head of this church, that we are all about Jesus at Synergy Church, that who we are pales in comparison to you, and though the church means something to us, and though we receive something from the church, and though we have a place to belong, we have a part to play. 
And we have an attitude to bring to that role and that function. And I pray today that as a church, we would surrender what we do completely to you. And I also pray that we would surrender how we do it and the motives of our heart and the mindset that we have to you. That with glad and sincere and cheerful hearts, we will play our part in this church. And we'll serve and we'll give and we'll invite and we'll worship and we'll connect and we'll encourage one another, we'll care for one another, we'll build one another up and equip one another. We'll focus on our role and not so much the roles of people around us. And we'll understand that what we do is for Jesus. And as we do it for Jesus, it encourages and builds up those around us. And I pray, Father, that you would unify us as a church around that mindset, around that mission, that we would become the church that you want us to be. And we'll forever thank you for calling us to this church and giving us a part and helping us to understand that what we do is significant. It's not unimportant and it's not something that can be overlooked. And it's not something for someone else to do. It's what you've called us to do. And right now in this moment, I pray that you would speak to every heart and you would call us to unity, to one body that we're many parts. I thank you for that. In Christ's name.